Hey everybody, this is uh, Big Sean and we're back finally. We took a nice long break. Uh, in this podcast, we discuss what what the hell happened to us. We talk a little bit about the uh, McGregor-Mayweather fight. Very little bit, don't, don't worry. And we spend most of the podcast talking about um, what we consider to be the fundamentals of both Jeet Kune Do and Wing Chun. So sit back, enjoy, and it's great to be back and we hope you miss us a little bit. of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hey everybody and welcome to season four, episode two of the Duels of Kung Fu. Uh, <laughs> it's great to be back, man. It is great to be back. God, I miss this shit. Yeah, I feel we got off kind of to a false start because we were like, oh, this is uh, episode one of season four and then huge break. Right. <laughs> so we got to apologize to the fans for that. It wasn't intentional, folks. It was, uh, we recorded, we, we, we intended to jump right into season four and um, we, we did the first episode and then I got really sick and then Alex ran away to Hong Kong and it was just... <laughs> Like, all of a sudden, we're like, oh, shit, it's a month and a half later, you know? Yeah, I, I think part of the problem is that we, we're we kind of just around so much. We're like, yeah, whatever, we'll do it on Friday. And sometimes we forget to look at our respective schedules. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be here for the next three weeks. And we just started the new season. So right. that was just kind of uh, somewhat bad planning on our part. So we apologize for those of you who waited out there. But again, uh, hopefully that makes episode two all the more sweeter for everybody. Oh man, well I gotta tell you, just for me, I mean, I'm although I'm on the show and I'm, I guess a co-host of the show, I'm probably one of the biggest fans of the show as well. So I'm gonna miss this also. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I've been miss, I've been missing this. I, I'm not gonna lie. I enjoy this. You know, Alex is a really good friend of mine, and I like our weekly chats. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's becoming a really important part of my life. And for guys that are you know friends of mine and. And, um, you know, friends of Alex's, they, and our listeners, we have just so many listeners that wrote in, like, say, guys, where's the effing show, you know? <laughs> and we're just like, um, um, it's coming. <laughs> you know, it's what? funny, on a personal, I had, um, yeah. I, I, I was with uh, some family members last weekend for, uh, for, for something, and um, an uncle who we don't see very often, you know, he lives in uh, Atlanta. He says to me, he goes, you know, Sean, he's retired. He's, you know, he's, he goes, I don't even know what Wing Chun is, but I like that podcast of yours. You guys are funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose it's interesting to see the people who get into it, who maybe were not uh, 100% like JKD or Wing Chun people, because I think our assumption has always been that those are the only, you know, all eight of those people out there are going to be the ones who listen to us, you know? Right. Well, on that note, hey, Uncle Don. Hey, Aunt Linda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily, I think the subject matter of martial arts is so boring for my parents that they they, they didn't listen to this. <laughs> oh, th thank God they don't listen to it because then they'd hate me. <laughs> He's making fun of Alex again. <laughs> so, uh, well, I suppose the good thing about having taken a break um, is that a lot of stuff has actually happened um, since we uh, last had our podcast. One. The uh, McGregor Mayweather fight happened. Fucking um, Yeah. The, um, you know, I went to Hong Kong. My Hong Kong trip was 
really amazing. I had the chance to do all sorts of things, which uh, many of which are probably worthy of their, you know, we, I could do a podcast just on each of those things on its own. And um, yeah, and then I came back and became super busy and then had to deal with some kind of um, weird social media issue that happened uh, for something over the summer, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, yeah, at least we, it, at least hopefully we have a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. <laughs> well, I saw you in some pictures with uh, some of the most famous people in Wing Chun. That's right. As a matter of fact, it was kind of funny. Um, I, First of all, well, before you start, was yes. I the topic of conversation? Um, well, I, I talked to, I talked to, uh, yes. David, David <laughs> Peterson about you for sure. And, um, David, uh, David Peterson's wife was there and I met her and she's just a lovely lady. Uh, she's amazing. Like she, I had no, like she apparently had listened to the podcast, knows about, knows about you, knows about me, had, had seen photos of my kids from social media. Oh, and sweet. I was like, yeah, she's so sweet. Like really amazing. Um, it's, it, I'm always happy to see when, when. Wing Chun or martial art guys in general have a, you know, a great uh, partner because, you know, as, as you know, doing what we do, um, it's not easy for our uh, significant others. You know, when we spend hours on end talking about this stuff, practicing it, thinking about it, our mind is just on like the angle of a movement or a punch right, or something sure, like that. Sure. And that, that's not easy. And, and so I think we're very lucky with um, you're lucky uh, with Laurie. I'm very lucky with Carol, and 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 David Peters is certainly very lucky with his wife as well, because um, we are we are not easy men. <laughs> right, exactly right. So uh, so yeah, I went to Hong Kong. Um, basically, it was just a, a short trip, about two weeks or so, and I go to Hong Kong regularly, even if I don't have anything special planned. Like Wing Chun wise, it's my wife's family's in Hong Kong, so we just kind of go there. It's like visiting family. Um, I brought one of my students, Antonio, who you met, a world-famous, uh, world-renowned saxophone player, jazz I musician. Love that dude, by the way, um, he played a couple shows while he was in Hong Kong too, He's and like awesome. everyone there knew him, and it was amazing. He was like a total star over there too. It was incredible. He gave me a CD, dude. It rocks, man. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. It's on my playlist in my car. It is yeah. awesome. And yeah, he also Antonio's gave me an incredible gift. That's right, the 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 Moyat painting. Oh right my god, picture, it's right? freaking incredible! Oh, you know what's also funny? I saw um, so I was hanging out with Antonio the other day, and uh, we were at Bryant Park, and we saw your son John on the street. So Antonio got to meet John. Briefly. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. So so that was pretty awesome. So Antonio came to Hong Kong with me, which was really cool. And um, it just so happened that during the time I was there, it happened to coincide with um, an event that Sifu Wan Kam Leung was having in Hong Kong, which was basically a Bai Si ceremony with one of his students who's like a famous or or a very, um, let's just say, a very established real estate developer in Hong Kong. And by established, yeah, the dude's got some money. So, right, so basically, sure. um, Wan Kem Leung had this amazing event. It was at the Shangri-La Hotel in Jim Choi, which is an amazing hotel, luxury hotel. And um, the banquet, I mean, there were like hundreds of people there. It was crazy. And it was... Um, it, I hope nobody gets upset for me saying it was all paid for by by their team. Nobody paid for anything. Right. And this was like top of the line food at a top of the line place. And they had like um, uh, the displays and posters with Sifu Wan Kam Leung, like high quality. So it was amazing. And they had like when you entered, they had like a little place where you could take photos at the reception. It was amazing. And um, Sifu Wan Kam Leung invited me when he was here in New York. And he's like, yeah, I'm doing a Bai Si ceremony. And I thought it was going to be something kind of small. And this was a huge event. Like his whole association was there from all over the world. And 
almost every single world-renowned Wing Chun Sifu was there as well, especially all of those who were living in Hong Kong. It, the, everyone was there. It was completely nuts. I'm like, if there was a bomb that dropped on the Shangri-La Hotel that night, <laughs> like 90% of the world's Wing Chun would have been decimated right then and there. It was like it was like we were all under one roof. There was obviously a lot of Wong and Leung guys because uh, Wang Kam Leung was originally I, fi- I figured that that's why I wasn't invited. I was kind of like the designated like survivor. <laughs> Just in case something happened, if, they if knew it, the art would be like left in my hand. So yeah. I get it. You know? If it had blown up, I'd, I'd call you in my dying breath on the cell phone, Sean. You're the Sifu now. Keep it alive, <laughs> and then that would be the end. <laughs> my notes are in my book in my apartment. <laughs> So um, yeah, it was amazing. So I had a chance to meet a lot of um, uh, a lot, of, obviously a lot of the Wong Sun Leung Wing Chun people. John Wong was there, who's the son of Wong Sun Leung. Um, I, I'm Facebook friends with him, but it was the first time we met face to face. He knew who I was, and it was like very cool. He was super nice, spoke pretty good English. Um, of course, David Peterson was there, which was amazing. We had him as a guest, I think, on our first season of the podcast. And obviously, see uh, for David Peterson is uh, one of the most established and most renowned students of Wong Sun Leung teaching worldwide. It was super great to meet him and he was just, he, was, he wasn't feeling well that night. In fact, there was a chance he might not have been able to make it. He had like a huge migraine, but he came and he felt better uh, throughout the course of the evening. It was cool and I uh, got to see people I had not seen for a long time like uh, Benno, Benno Westra who teaches under Wan Kam Leung um, in the Netherlands and uh, you know, obviously a bunch of the Wan Kam Leung guys, but I also got to see like, um, Chen Chi Man was there, who's a good friend of mine. Um, uh, Sifu Kent Lee, and also I don't know if you know who this guy is. Do you know who Po Kin Wa is? Po Kin no. Wa is the Chinese name. Um, po Kin Wa was originally a student of Leung Sung, and he was a training partner of Leung Ting. And during the time that Leung Ting was learning from Yip Man, essentially Po Kin Wa was his training partner. So, oh, nice. so, nice. so Leung Ting would like learn from from Yip Man, and then he would go and train these things with uh, Po Kin Wa. But Po Kin Wa was never part of Leung Ting's association. So he was kind of this guy who had the the chance to train with Leung Ting and get all the stuff from Yip Man, but then was never really beholden to being in Leung Ting's organization. So sure. he's a really interesting cat. Um, and I had only read about him in books and, and he was there and I, I talked to him and I was like, hey, I've been following you since I was a teenager. And he was like, because I'm such a geek, you know what I mean? And he was right, just like, right, right. Oh. I'm like, oh, and I remember you were, you know, uh, in the event with Tang Sang in 1969 and then you did this. And I was like listing off all the things he had done. And he just looked at me like I was some kind of weird stalker. And I realized I had to cut myself off. <laughs> He's definitely filing a restraining order. On right now. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, if if I was walking down the street and I saw Brad Pitt, I'd be like, hey, cool. Look, there's Brad Pitt. But when I see these Wing Chun guys that I've been reading about since I was a teenager and I know especially many of them, uh, don't get the accolades that they deserve. Obviously, you have some famous Sifus. You have Moyat and Leung Ting and William Chang and Wong San Leung. But there are so many other people there who were part of the development right, of the sure. art and um, and were supportive figures to these larger figures, so to speak. And so I've always read about them and I've always been very um, interested in meeting them and finding out uh, you know, what, what their story is. And speaking of Leung Ting, Leung Ting was also there too at the event. Holy events. shit, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, my former teacher was there as well. It was very funny. Um, we saw that uh, outside, be- before you went in, they had um, the seating chart. And it was mostly in Chinese because most of the people there were Chinese. So uh, we saw our where we were sitting. And then I looked at the table next to it. I saw the, the name Leung Ting, right? And then I showed my wife and said, hey, Leung Ting is coming. My Gong is going to be here. And then, uh, of course, uh, you know, for 
people who may not know, I, I was uh, in Learn Ting's organization for uh, for a bit. I was his representative in New York, and I was a private student of his for about nine years. And then I famously left his association because of politics, and I have not seen him since I quit the association. So it was oh very funny. God. There's this total like swanky party in Hong Kong where everybody's dressed to the nines, and uh, I'm invited there based on my own merits, because since I left the Lang Ching organization, yeah, sure. I've made my own name now for whatever that's worth. And so, and then there's my former teacher sitting at the table next to me. By the way, he was sitting at the same table as Carter Wong. Do you know Carter Wong? He's, name, a, yeah, yeah. he's an old movie, a old Hong Kong movie star, but he was in the movie, Big Trouble in Little China. He was the, you know the, you know the three storms? Right, right, right. The big trouble little G. He was like the big one who blew up at the end. That's Carter Wong. <laughs> so he was like sitting next to Lang Tang. And so it was very funny. But um, I didn't really pay attention because honestly, um, uh, I left not really because of Lang Tang. I left because of internal politics. I don't have any grievance with him, so to speak, besides the fact that last year he told the Hong Kong press that I had only learned Wing Chun for one week. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I don't like I'm I'm not the, I'm not going to go up to him and be like, yo, wh what was up with you saying I only right, learned right, for right. one week? That would be defensive, and that would also mean that somehow I was hurt by that. But actually, as we've discussed before, that attack on me actually made me famous in Hong Kong and gave me the nickname the Kung Fu Genius. So I need to thank him, if anything. You know? right, sure, <laughs> so, sure. um, so I don't have any – I'm not going to go up to him and be like, yo, what's up with that? I just didn't say anything, but I, I heard from – um, somebody else who was at our table that he, he was kind of giving me dirty looks the whole night. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. So um, anyway, uh, but yeah, Yip Chun was there and, and many, many people were there. It was, it was, it was pretty cool. Oh, and there were also awesome, some dude. famous masters from, um, from other Kung Fu styles as well. So it was like, if you're into Wing Chun and you're into like the Hong Kong martial arts scene, that night was, was pretty awesome. So I have to, uh, thanks, Sifu Wan Kam Leung for the invite, and also uh, uh, Sifu William Kwok here in New York. He was also there as well. Um, so, um, yeah, it was really great. So just just a great moment of, like, it felt that when you compare the Wing Chun scene in the 80s, you know, where you had the so-called Wing Chun Wars, you know, William Chung and Amin, and then you had, uh, um, you know, all sorts of guys kind of warring each other and right, showing up right, to each right. other's schools. It was definitely, like, that time period is done. You know, Good. they were all the different lineages they were under there. And who knows, when everyone goes home, they're probably going to talk shit about each other. Right. But everybody was there. Everybody was eating. Everybody was having a good time. And it, it, it felt like, hopefully, those times are over. And maybe if this is happening now in Hong Kong, then maybe the rest of the world, the rest of the Wing Chun world can kind of start to take suit and, and, and start to become adults about this, you know? That's so awesome, um, so anyway, that, that was kind of a recap of, of that event uh, um, in in Hong Kong as well, and uh, so yeah. What uh, what do you think of the Mayweather uh, McGregor fight? You know, I, I'm just, I gotta be honest with you. I knew, of course. I mean, intellectually, I didn't think Mayweather, uh, McGregor was gonna win. But right. as a fan, I'm not gonna lie. As a fan, I was rooting for him to win. Of course. And the first few rounds, I thought he did well. Now, he did very well. Granted, Mayweather was that was Mayweather's Mayweather's style. Was to hold back and, and and learn and get and I get all that. So, but it it showed me a couple of things. It showed me that I think against any other boxer, I think mm -hmm. McGregor can do well. You know, mm -hmm. McGregor went ten rounds with arguably the best boxer ever. Right. Obviously, with the best boxer today. I mean, he went ten rounds with the guy. Yeah. Um. The other thing it it showed me is that if you looked at the scorecard. One or two 
of the judges, of one or two of the of the three judges, I think one or two of them only gave McGregor the first round. They didn't yeah. even give him yeah, the no, second or third round. It's completely ridiculous. So it showed me that there was no way McGregor was going to win that fight unless he fucking knocked him out. Knocked him out of the ring, right. There was no way. McGregor could have done, he could have controlled that fight for all 12 rounds. There was right. no way he was winning. Yeah. Because there was rounds, even if it was Mayweather holding back to to learn and judge and see what his timing was, there's no way you can tell me that Mayweather won round two. Sure, sure. And, and a couple of the judges had Mayweather up in, you know, round yeah. two, 10 9 on round two. Yeah, it's, it's a re, it's a reminder of like whenever we get pissed off about MMA having like a weird decision, and then it's like and and then you realize oh yeah but boxing is totally corrupt I totally right, forgot about that it really, it's like it, it made me sit there and say at the end of the fight I sat there and said this is why I can't watch boxing it's the right. most corrupt vile piece yes. of shit in the world now yes, yes. the boxers themselves are incredible athletes and can all kick my ass of course so of boxers course. I'm not dissing you and what you do i'm dissing the judging and the politics in your in your in your in your sport right right it's complete utter bullshit yeah i mean it's such an echo chamber and i I think the problem is that um when you look at like all the talk that was going on online before the fight like you know it's the same thing everyone lives in their echo chamber the boxing fans they live in their echo chamber the mma fans uh, they live in theirs the mcgregor fans they live in theirs. so nobody is being swayed by anybody else's arguments online. If a, if a, if a good boxing analyst talked before the fight and said, this is why McGregor cannot win the fight, the MMA guys are just going to get upset or the McGregor fights right. uh, fans are going to get upset because nobody can actually discuss these things anymore. And then after the fight, um, many of, you know, Mike Tyson, Sugar Ray Leonard, they were like, wow, absolute respect to Conor McGregor for what he was able to do because no boxer thought that he was going to be able to do that they thought um that he would really just get flattened like basically what randy couture did to james tony who came to mma they thought that was going to happen to mcgregor like it was just going to be a one-sided schooling right and when you look at the first few rounds i mean mcgregor was pacing himself he was doing very well and the stats are mcgregor landed more punches on mayweather than canelo did Right. Then, then, then any other boxer who ever fought Mayweather, Connor landed more. Now, of course, the Mayweather fans are going to go, oh, well, Mayweather's now 40. The, like, the thing is, you can't bring up stats. You can't bring up facts un- without the other side immediately getting defensive. I'm not saying anything with that. I'm just saying that's a stat. Right. All right. I'm not saying, like, you, you, okay, he's a whatever. I don't need to hear the explanation. I'm just saying that's actually what happened. And I don't think going into the fight, anybody would say, do you think, even if Conor McGregor doesn't win, he would land more punches on Mayweather than any other boxer ever did against him. He'd be like, no way, especially if he's not going to win. How is he going to land so many punches? Right, exactly. but, he but he did. So regardless of, of you know, what you have to say, first of all, they got paid. This was the biggest money fight. This was smart on both sides. They Absolutely. were both very smart. So, I mean, props to them. And all the haters who want to say, oh, what, dude, screw you. They, they did what nobody else did. And you can't talk shit about that in any way. Second, Connor represented himself very well because I know people get tired of this argument, but it's a valid argument. I don't see any boxer going into whoever the Floyd Mayweather of MMA is, going into the ring with them, 
and being able to put a performance against an MMA fighter with MMA rules that is anywhere close to what Conor was able to do against the specialist Floyd Mayweather. There's no chance. Absolutely Mayweather, agree. I mean, absolutely great. Mayweather Maybe. would not last one round with Conor in an MMA match. Okay. Having said that, Conor was still able to go into what was it, the eighth round or ninth round or whatever with Mayweather and say whatever oh, that was Mayweather's game plan. Yeah, but if Conor was not qualified to be there, he shouldn't have been getting out of the first or second rounds to right. begin with. There's, there's not a boxer out there. I mean, that could go five rounds with three rounds with Conor McGregor in an MMA fight. Could right. you imagine Mayweather with, with Conor having uh, MMA tools available to him? Oh, yeah. yeah. Have, oh, my God. It would have been over. And yeah, it would be one-sided trouncing. And, 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 and right. the thing is, it's like, and that's saying, and, and that's not a diss on Mayweather, okay? That, that I'm just saying, like, okay, like, let's be honest here, right? And then, and then the boxing guys, they're so, like, well, of course, I actually thought that um, Connor boxed very well. Like, his boxing skill was really good. And he used some unorthodox tactics with like kind of the long range stuff or whatever. Like I thought he actually, if it wasn't, in my opinion, his gas tank, which was kind of an issue because Connor always fades in that kind of end of the second act kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right, sure. Um, uh, if it wasn't for that, I think that he could have at least gone the distance. He wouldn't have won a decision because, I mean, when you saw the scorecards, you were like, oh, my God, I forgot how corrupt boxing is. But um, no way that flipped the other way. Mayweather is going to last one round, and, and and all the boxing guys—they're always like criticizing MMA boxing, and it's like you guys don't realize it's called mixed martial arts for a reason. Right? It's like kickboxing, Thai boxing. Um, Thai boxers look at some MMA guys kickboxing and say it's no good. Yeah, but the difference is they're having to deal with somebody trying to wrestle them, trying to grapple them. There, there's different timing, different equipment. You're not having boxing gloves; you have small gloves, and. When you're able to kick and knee and elbow, that actually takes away a lot of the problems that boxing presents. Because if you're fighting against someone who's a good boxer in MMA, well, you can use the kicks and the wrestling to nullify a lot of that stuff. But when you're stuck just staying toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody, boxing versus boxing, then, of course, we're talking about specialists, right? Right. So, um, and, I mean, and I, I, yeah. One of the things I found incredibly frustrating, Now I get it, that's part of his game. But Mayweather, you know, hey, Mayweather's a bitch. I'm sorry. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's, tell it's, me how you really feel. You know, the, the first time, every, every time that Connor even got close to him, he, he turned hugged, around. He turned, literally yeah. turned around. He yes. literally fucking turned around. It was like, oh, don't hit me anymore. You know, I mean, yeah, he, he used the rule set to the best of his, right. to, to his advantage. I'm not knocking him for that. I'm sure. just saying he's a complete bitch. That's all. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting because um, it's kind of like uh, how your eyes get used to seeing a certain type of thing and then you see something else and it just looks very strange. Like the big question was, is Connor going to just out of sheer muscle memory in the middle of the fight throw a kick or throw an elbow, right? And Connor, to his defense, he kept it straight boxing. Now he would sometimes clinch and get behind where you could kind of see right. there was like a jujitsu or a wrestling reflex in there. But also, every time he came in close and started to put pressure, Mayweather turned around. And that was the moment where I went like, you know, I have a similar moment that happens to me. I'm not like um, a hardcore soccer fan, right? But I will watch the World Cup when it happens every four years, right? So I don't follow like the year-to-year, season-by-season games. But when World Cup comes around, because I am half German, I will watch the World Cup, right? And... 
every like for the last 10 years I've been watching the or 10 15 years because I'm such a huge MMA fan something always strikes me really odd about soccer in soccer they're always trying to take a dive like oh like oh the guy kicked me in the shin so that right. they could get a penalty kick right so what you see is like this weird juxtaposition of somebody lightly shoulder checking somebody and the other guy going ah like totally screaming about it when you're used to seeing people going in there taking punches in the face and they keep going with no complaints right, right, right so right. there's always a moment when i'm watching soccer for the first time in a long time and then i see somebody barely get touched and then go down and grab his shin and i'm like what the hell is that because <laughs> watching martial arts and full contact mma has just it, it just made my brain doesn't recognize that as anything that would remotely hurt somebody you know right, what i mean right, right sure and i had the same thing happen when i watched the mayweather fight yeah because every time connor went in there and then he turtled up and then there was a moment in my mind where i go he turned around give him an elbow pull him down put him put him in right. you know like, Take like his I, back. and then i was going oh that's this stupid game and right. that's your get out of fighting free card in every moment you know what i mean like right. at, sure. least, at least in mma if you're getting punched and you decide to clinch somebody and wrestle or take them down you're still doing something Right. And you're still in the fight and you can take the guy down and then you still have to deal with submissions and getting punched there. But there's like this thing like I'm just going to do this. And now suddenly you can't do anything to me where I go. Um, this isn't a real fight anymore. Like as much as I love boxing and I respect the craft of boxing, I practice boxing. I train boxing uh, at you know, regularly with a, with a coach and, and I hit pads and I and I do light sparring and I always want to make sure that I, I, I know about boxing because I think it's very important as a martial arts instructor. There's just something about watching it after watching so much MMA where I just go like, uh, right. yeah, I can appreciate the beauty of a good boxer, but I'm looking at this and just going like my fight brain just goes, you just gave your back. You should either get choked. You should have an elbow. Like my Wing Chun self-defense brain goes, oh, you turn. I'm going to elbow your head. All right, and then, like my and my MMA brain goes, oh, you turned, I'm gonna put you in a choke, right? Or, or you know, just like my, oh, you turned around, I'm gonna grab your face and pull you to the ground, right? But then it's like, oh no, the fight stops here. And the other thing too is that the the ref who did a really good job, I have to say, I was actually surprised that he did a good job in the beginning of the fight. At the end of the fight, he was totally saving. Uh, Mayweather. Oh, he, he was Mayweather the moment they were in a clip was like, uh, 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 and it was like, oh come on, man. So and that's when I realized it's like, oh yeah, I totally forgot. This is why people hate boxing. Right. It's it's got way too much money involved. It's it, there are way too many shady characters. You know, it's like just because Don King is not active in there, the the lineal spirit of Don King lives on in boxing. Oh, that's that was the biggest thing, man. I came away from that and said, yep. Just as a, just needed a reminder why I don't watch boxing anymore. Right. Speaking of that, actually, tonight is the big Canelo Triple G fight, which is kind of interesting um, because, okay, then we're talking about just pure boxing or whatever, and there's part of me that might go watch that after this podcast tonight, but I also might just go to bed <laughs> and read about it tomorrow on Twitter. Not, not a shot I'm going to watch it. <laughs> not a shot. I'm going to – when we're done, I'll be picking up my guitar and relaxing. <laughs> very good, very good. Um you said we had a uh, um, a question sent into the Dudes of Kung Fu page, something about fundamentals or something. Yeah, like you know what? I feel bad because I, 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 I didn't jot down the person's name mm -hmm. that, that wrote it in. But they asked if we could speak. Um, would, we, would, we, bleh, would we be willing to speak about what we feel are the fundamentals of our respective arts? Okay. 
And um, not, and he actually said, he goes, I'm not asking you to give away secrets. Just when someone says they do your art, what are the fundamentals of the art? So what, what are something that you feel they should know as, as, as a practitioner of your art? Mm. I, thought, I thought it was a pretty good question. So, Sure. Um, well, uh, it's, it's also a question that I feel could be the topic of two, three, four, five podcasts because we could say it very simply and they would still, it would still beg a lot of explanation and clarification. Um, oh, no, I, think, I, I agree 100%. Yeah, I, th I think kind of, kind of to make it. Maybe we do the uh, the Cliff Notes version of it today, and then maybe maybe we go into it in a little more detail in another podcast. I think that might be a great. Yeah, um, I mean, if you were going to talk about, um, I, I said this, I said this a hundred times on the podcast. If I was going to talk about Jeet Kune Do and the fundamentals of Jeet Kune Do, to me, the fundamentals of Jeet Kune Do are the having the ability of having a knowledge of and the ability to control the distance have the proper timing, being able to break rhythm and employ the five ways of attack all at the same time. That this idea of controlling distance, timing and rhythm, five ways of attack is the, I hate this word, but I'm using the philosophical fundamental, fundamental of, of G. Crindell. Now, do I, G. Crindell also has a structure and I feel it has a physical structure. Um, if someone tells me they do JKD, they should know the straight lead. They should know uh, certain tools. They should know certain footwork. They should know why certain footwork works. They should know um, why certain tools work. They, they, but more than that, to me, the litmus test is, is distance, timing, and rhythm. You know, um, you have to understand when I when when someone says to me, "Oh, I do chikudo," and I start talking to them about breaking rhythm, and they have no idea what I'm talking about, or they have this kindergarten version in their head. I understand where it comes from. I'm not. I would never mock them. I, I they have this version of of um, this idea of breaking rhythm that's it's just so raw. And there is, there is a, a finesse to breaking rhythm. There is a finesse to controlling distance. And there is a finesse to having and controlling the timing of a bout that someone that does JKD on any level should be working on getting better at. And that is a fundamental aspect of Jeet Kune Do that to me should run throughout all lineages. It does not, but it should run throughout all lineages. You know, if you talk to a high-level Jikundo Concepts guy under several lineages, and you start talking to them about, you know, distance control, and they, they and, and you see their eyes light up, and they're like, oh, yeah, and you know, when you do this, you can take this angle, you know they have an understanding of distance, and they don't sit there and say, well... Well, there's uh, kicking range and punching range and trapping range and grappling range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all read that same fucking thing for the last, you know, 20 years. It's nonsense. I'm not talking about being able to name ranges. I'm talking about being able to control distances. And and, and that's a huge fundamental to me. That's when, 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 I, when I think of fundamentals, that's what comes into my head. Is that you have to work on your distance, timing, rhythm and completely understand the five ways of attack.
You have to understand why there's five ways of attack. Not that people have this misconception, which is another question we got, what are misconceptions about Arat, but people have this misconception about uh, Jeet Kune Do that um, all attacks fall within the five ways of attack. I'm sorry, it's wrong. That's why people, knuckleheads, post online all the time, oh, my Sifu invented a sixth way of attack, and my Sifu found a sixth and seventh way of attack. Who gives a shit? The, 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 the ways of attack are there for a reason. There are a necessary component to your, to, to your tactics and strategy of your art. There's a reason you have five. If you do not understand why there's five, I beg you to go back and try and learn Jeet Kune Do. And, and if your Sifu doesn't know why there's five, well then, I'm not saying lose that Sifu, but go off on your own a little bit and try to examine what you're doing. Try and understand why is there five. What happens when I move that creates the idea that I need five? Why was Bruce Lee so excited that he had five ways of attack? These are the fundamentals of the art. Alex, Ooh. your turn. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it, there's always a bit of a slippery slope uh, when you talk about fundamentals. And you, you hit the nail on the head, too, because it's like we can discuss fundamentals in terms of like, OK, what are the fundamental techniques? Like you mentioned about like, well, you need to know the straight lead or you need to know this. But that, that's not necessarily... Uh, when you boil it down to, but what are the actual fundamentals? We're, we're really talking about the concepts or the principles that the art is based on. Because, yeah, we can say fundamentals of Wing Chun are chain punching, advancing steps, stepping right. forward. And those are the physical tools, the, the fundamentals you learn physically when you start learning Wing Chun. But whether you are a beginner or intermediate or whatever, you are expressing a certain idea or a certain way of fighting. And that idea, that's actually what we're talking about when we talk about fundamentals here. Because we could say uh, uh, the fundamentals of Wing Chun are the Siunam Tao form, single arm Chi Sao, straight like. But th th that's actually not really the answer. We, we can, once we understand what we're trying to do, meaning what are the conceptual fundamentals of the art, then of course we work backwards and then we start doing it in a physical way, like learning the basics and then building up from there. And I'm also of the opinion that advanced training or whatever is called advanced especially in wing chun is nothing more than consolidated basics it's advanced because it requires basics to be able to do it it's not advanced because it's complicated right it's advanced because it requires a foundation so um wing chun people kind of go back and forth but for me um we could say uh which is you stay with what comes, you send off what goes away, and thrust forward as the hand is free. Just kind of the basic idea behind what we're trying to apply in Wing Chun. As Wing Chun generally assumes we're standing in front of the guy, the guy launches an attack, and we go in and do our thing. We generally don't talk about, uh, for lack of a better term, kickboxing with somebody. We're not going mm -hmm. back and forth and moving because this is, one, is, first of all, it's not the style of fighting that existed in China at that time, and two, um, we generally tend to deal with, or the guy's in your face, he's saying something, he takes a swing, boom, we go and do it. We're talking about that situation, right? So Wing Chun tends to specialize in that situation much more than it, than it does kind of in the whole going back and forth, which is in what, my opinion why Wing Chun people usually stutter a little bit when they try to apply it in a kickboxing or, or an MMA style setting because they need to learn how to transition their 
in close fighting skills to to the distance game first before they do that because the traditional wing chun system is based on practical fighting starting in a close range against a sudden very quick violent attack and you handle it very quickly it's not talking about distance and timing back and forth you know against somebody who's kind of moving away and checking you out right so if we say stay with what comes all right that means that whatever's coming at us we're not trying to stop it and block it we try to stay with it now by staying that implies sticking it implies yielding it implies moving out of the way there are all sorts of things that are implied by that word stay all right so something comes and we just stay with it we stick with it we can let it go we can stick with it whatever if it retreats a little bit all right we'll go forward we'll stay there we don't move our hands back right and if the arm is freed completely bam we go forward this is the idea of forward pressure right we apply that idea at distance we apply it once we're sticking and we apply it you know even when we're even closer in super close range fighting it's the same it doesn't change and that doesn't change if you're a beginner and it doesn't change if you're at so-called advanced you just have more tools to be able to apply it more efficiently right, right. but that is in my opinion the kind of the core of what wing chun is it, it's it's the basic principles um there's some other people that say um it's lin xiu dai da with uh linking offense and defense so called simultaneous offense and defense but i find that that is just uh one aspect of what we're doing in wing chun but i wouldn't necessarily say that all wing chun is simultaneous offense and defense the best wing chun is the most direct wing chun is but sometimes we can't attack and defend at the same time especially if you're caught by surprise or you have to move back there are times so i don't think that a simultaneous offense and defense is the highest i think it's right. one of the most important i think the the principles of sticking staying and thrusting forward as a hand is freed uh is really kind of fundamental by the way do you know why there's one of the reasons why there's so many different takes in the yitman system on well wing chun in general we've discussed this before obviously various times people learned and so on but even in the principles okay when we say loi lao hoi song right which is loi is means to come yeah uh um so lao means to stay hoi means to go song means to to give like if it goes you give with it like you you stay right. with it right the problem is this character lao all right the in loi lao the second character in those four characters that character is problematic because chinese is contextual and sometimes if these things aren't explained clearly you can take one context or take another now the problem is the character lao in chinese that specific character can mean to stay like to stay with something mm -hmm. it can mean to hold back and it can also mean to stop it depends on the context and it depends what else is being said with it now the wing chun principles are so vague it can actually be translated a number of different ways this is why some wing chun sifu say uh stay with what comes or they say some variation of that right because they're using the stay definition of lao right but there's some sifu that say no lao means to stop that's why when a punch comes they use an aggressive blocking style movement rather than kind of trying to borrow the force or give way or whatever right so you have some guys that like the punch comes and they use like a really aggressive hard style tansa right and they're saying i'm there's and they're saying they're following it correctly because in their mind lao means to stop whatever comes stop it right and the other guy said whatever comes stay with it right right 
And so that's the reason why even within the Yip Man family, you can have someone legitimately read the same couplet on the wall and have a totally different uh, expression of it. And this is these are part of the problems of the oral tradition of Chinese martial arts. So, um, you know, that's kind of uh, why, you know, those things can easily be misinterpreted. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and when, when you ask anybody to um, <clears throat> just discuss the fundamentals of their system, there's always going to be, like you say, two two sets of fundamentals. There's the physical fundamentals, yes. and then there's the principles or the philosophical fundamentals of the of the system. And I think when you when you when you talk with people that have been doing the martial arts for more than a couple of years, they understand that the the uh, the higher level understanding of the art is within the, the, the philosophical end of it. Because right. you, you've, now, you, you've now had the ability to, to, to do the physical end, and now you have to know why you do that. Right. You know, um, I, I, there's, there's something I said before about the, the litmus test of JKD, in my mind being um, distance, timing, rhythm, five ways of attack. And I, there's something else I use for that. I, and you'll, you'll, I know I've said this on prior podcasts, so I wanted to clean it up a little bit. I always have a little expression that I say is simple, direct, and non-classical as the, the litmus test of JKD. And when, when, when I use that is when, I'm, when people specifically ask me about adding something to their art in the name of Jeet Kune Do. Mm-hmm. So they'll say to me, I'm really good at doing a jump spinning hook kick. Should I add that to my JKD? And I, I always say, well, you should do whatever you're really good at. Because it's fun to do shit that you're good at. But whether it should be taught as Jeet Kune Do, then is the movement simple? Is it direct? And is it done with non-classical rhythms? That should be your litmus test if something is going to be taught as Jeet Kune Do. Now, just because it doesn't fall within that doesn't mean it's something you can't teach. It just means it's something that I would say is not Jeet Kune Do. So if I'm good at a jump spinning hook kick, which, hey, listen, if you haven't seen an obese man throw a jump spinning hook kick, you haven't lived. But, <laughs> I'm sure there are videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll flash the camera, bro. <laughs> um, if, you, if you can throw a jump spinning hook kick, that's awesome. But it's not Jeet Kune Do. It's not simple in the in in a true understanding of simple it's not direct by any stretch of the imagination and depending on how you use it is could it be used with unclassical rhythms and it's that should be the litmus test for physical tools so when you have a a um a a, a structure to your art like in jikundo we'll we'll talk about um you know, you have, uh, you have tools, you have strategies, you have principles. They're all connected. And when you add something to your, to your, to your, to your basket of, 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 of Jeet Kune Do, when, when it's, uh, whether it's a strategy, whether it is a tool or a drill or something to that effect, it affects everything else in that basket. You know, the, the, idea, of, uh, the, the idea of simplicity in Jeet Kune Do um, this idea of not carrying around excess baggage is taken with—it's uh, t- taken seriously. At least it should be. 
And this idea of, oh, I saw this awesome drill that these four Thai boxers were doing, or I saw this awesome drill that this Wing Chun group was doing, or whatever, it doesn't matter. I want to add it to my art. Well, that's fine. But understand that the drill may add something that you like, and at the same time add something you don't like. So you need to understand the drill fully before you add it. And you have to know what's its impact on the rest of my system. Does it teach me any bad habits as well? You know, and quite frankly, every drill is going to teach you a bad habit. So is, are the negatives worth the, the positives? You know, this, uh, this here is a fundamental understanding of Jeet Kune Do. This is when I talk about this idea of having a fundamental foundation of an understanding of your art is I know when I have to, when I can break my art and when I could change what I'm doing and how it's going to affect my art, what I do and what my students do and my friends do. You cannot just add for the sake of add. You know, there's this um, famous sign that hung in the uh, in uh, Gurudan's Filipino Kali Academy and um, and his Jikindo school. It's uh, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, and add what is specifically your own. Um, I don't believe the sign actually hung in uh, Bruce Lee's school, but it doesn't matter. Um, I think it's one of the most misunderstood signs in, or, or expressions in JKD. And you have to come to grips with these things if you're going to have what I, a fundamental understanding of the art. You know, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is specifically your own. When you talk about like, just add what is specifically your own, fucks everything else up. It's not add whatever the fuck you want. It's add what is specifically your own, in that Alex is a different person than I am. You know, I, I, I'm a 52-year-old fat man. Alex is a phenom. It's, it's, well, it's just we're different people. So we have to add our, our, our persona to the art. I can't sit there and do what Alex does. So we have to add what is specifically our own. We have to sit there and say, this is who I am as a person. So I have to add that to my art because I have to capitalize on what I am and, 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 and lower the negatives of what I am at my size, at my weight, hey, I don't have the mobility that Alex has. So I shouldn't train in a way that counts on having the, the nimble footwork that Alex would have that I don't have. <laughs> I thought you always said nipple footwork, sorry. <laughs> Speaking of nipples, like, I literally saw Alex's nipples like five times in the last three days. Can we fucking please take up a donation and buy this guy a t-shirt? <laughs> I, I would like to implore our dudes of Kung Fu fans out there, if you have the extra time, to go back through every single podcast and list the number of times Sean makes mention about me not wearing a shirt. Because I'm starting to have the feeling that he's spending an inordinate amount of time looking at me without my shirt on. So I'm it's at the point now where I'm looking just, at the picture right now on my phone. Yeah, but of course I tag you now because I know how much you like it. So I've made it a thing now to tag you on all my shirtless photos. <laughs> it's kind of oddly arousing, but I just want to, you know, <laughs> my stomach hurts. 
So, hey, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that I had a bit of a social media snafu. I just wanted to talk about that. Um, well, it wasn't even a social media snafu, and it wasn't even really my thing. But um, I just wanted to discuss this. I um, uh, I put it online. I put it out there. Um, so as many people know, we've, we've discussed it on the podcast before. For my 15-year anniversary this year for the school, I invited uh, Mak Chi Kong, who's a famous Hongar Sifu from uh, Hong Kong, good friend of mine. I've known him for many years. And I invited him to basically be a guest instructor and guest lecturer at my uh, seminar this year. And, and, and I did it, which I think some people found it somewhat interesting that uh, this was the first year I didn't invite a Wing Chun Sifu from Hong Kong to teach. But uh, quite frankly, I've invited my Kung Fu uncles a number of times. My students have seen them. Um, there's really not a whole lot of other people in the Wing Chun world, uh, obviously, besides Jim Rosalando or somebody like that, whom, who I would really want to invite to my school because uh, it's important for me that the Wing Chun Sifu that comes to my school adds to the students' understanding and that they're they're better for it. And um, sometimes Wing Chun Sifus are just really big in spinning their version of things and they come a very even if they pretend not to they come in a very political way and i don't want to expose my students to that stuff i just want my students to have good training so i thought maybe this year i would just bring a non-wing chun person to give them a lecture about southern chinese martial arts and hungar and stuff like that because it's it's my goal that all the students who train especially my advanced students are educated on martial arts that they're not just good at wing chun and qualified as wing chun instructors but they also know you know, about boxing or they know a little bit about jujitsu or they know about the difference between MMA and what we do. And like, and I want those uh, insights to come from experience and not just to come from dogma or something that I told them. I want them to, to know this by bringing in experts firsthand. Now, this has nothing to do with me mixing styles or, oh, now I can imagine that my former association is telling people, oh, now Alex is learning Hungar and mixing that. Like, because that's the way they are. They don't understand how I could invite another martial arts master from another style and not, and that not mean that I'm learning their style now or I'm mixing it or something like that, because they are generally in the traditional martial arts establishment, especially Chinese martial arts. They're so threatened by other martial arts. I mean, they're unbelievably threatened by them. Even when they tell their students Wing Chun is better than all of the other Chinese martial arts. Shaolin and Hungar and all those styles, they're totally crap. And we have a much smarter fighting system and we are much better. Okay. Which even though the Wing Chun people are not going to say that openly, I'll tell you what, that's what they say behind closed doors. All right. Let's just be honest. Okay. Uh, Wing Chun is better than this style. Wing Chun is better than that style. And look, and I know that the Probably there are Hungar guys out there who say it about their style, about another style. Jiu-Jitsu guys say it. Everyone says it. But the thing that I always hate is, one, I hate that people lie about the fact that they don't say it. If you say it, then be open about it. Don't be a coward. If you really think your style is better, tell everybody and then show it. But I'm also of the opinion that people should stop saying shit like that, you know, because the fact that I love Wing Chun or the fact that I think Wing Chun is a practical martial art does not mean that I need to hate any other martial art under the sun for me to really like Wing Chun and to teach Wing Chun. And that's the thing that I always find people have a hard time understanding. You can be proud to be a Jeet Kune Do practitioner. You can be proud to be a Wing Chun practitioner. You can love it above anything else you do. And that doesn't mean that you have to hate karate or hate judo or hate hunger or hate anything else. In fact, you can have a very healthy appreciation 
of all other martial arts and that doesn't dilute the fact that you still love yours but in the traditional martial arts establishment that is a big problem so the old school faction all right let's talk about like the real original guys like people who learned in the 50s and 60s for them these martial arts were these institutions you didn't give the secrets out to other styles and you certainly would not take in information from other styles because i mean heaven forbid can you imagine this sean somebody from another style comes into your school and tells you all about how they fight <laughs> that would be a really terrible thing right like i've had jujitsu guys come in and show me this is how we take people down and this is how we would take a wing chun person down huh? probably not a bad idea that we know that right, right. and then, you know but the thing is that because they're so threatened by this kind of stuff it's like there there was a, a video maxifu posted from his seminar in my school where he was giving the lecture about how hong kong movements work in fighting and he was like demonstrating this on one of my students okay now whenever we have a guest and it doesn't matter if it's a jujitsu guy or if it's Jim Rosalando, or if it's one of my Wing Chun Kung Fu family, or if it's Vincent Lin, my guys are always respectful when there's a guest because they know, hey, if Sifu invited this guy, Sifu respects this guy, we're here to learn. We're not here to go, oh, well, in Wing Chun, we would do this and then be right. that guy. You know what I mean? Sure. So my guys are always very, very respectful. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. There was a, two Wing Chun Sifus from Germany who came and visited my school. They're from another association. And they're total assholes, all right? And they're kind of, uh, they, they make a bunch of videos and they're kind of making a name for themselves or whatever. And there was a point in time where I thought they were friendly guys or whatever, right? They came to my school and I was like, hey, you can sit and watch one of my classes. And then at the very end, and it was one of my advanced guys, I said, hey, do you want to maybe show my guys a little bit about what you guys do, all right? Now, my guys know that if there's a guest in there, Unless I told them, hey, I don't like this guy, beat them up, which happens very rarely, by the way. I actually never say that anymore. That hasn't happened for 10 years, all right? So the audience knows. But if there's a guest member, the like, guest that comes in and I say, hey, uh, can you do a little cheese out with our guest here? Because um, our guest is going to explain to us what they do. So you would understand, Sean, right. that that guy's demoing, teaching, doing something, sure. right? It's, so it's, not, this, it's not a competitive thing. It's not a competitive thing. So this happened a few years ago. These, these two Wing Chun knuckleheads that pretended to be very friendly with me showed up to my school. And then one of them said, hey, would you mind showing our students a little bit about what you do? Because what they do is a little bit different. They were former WT guys, but now they do whatever. other stuff, whatever, right? So they grabbed uh, one of my students, Ethan, who you've met before. Sure. Ethan, super sweet guy. And Ethan... He wasn't even a technician level. He was still in the student ranks at that time. Um, I, I kind of gave him the signal like, yeah, just go along with whatever the guy does. You're not like going to fight right. back or whatever, right? right. And so he's just doing punsa with this guy. And then this guy's demonstrating some stuff, right? And then he'll he'll do like a basic attack. And, and my student is not really defending. He's just kind of playing along with him a little bit, right? And then like... And then he tries something and then my student is just moving around a little bit with him, right? And even while demonstrating, this guy pokes my student in the eye, oh, right? And it was just kind of like, and then he, he, he got into this thing. He's like, oh, well, when this happens in our school, we never apologize to each other because we understand that this is part of training, right? And I'm like, hey, I'm all for tough training and shit happens all the time. Right. But the thing that doesn't happen is when an instructor is demonstrating an exercise, he pokes a fucking student in the eye. Like that's yeah, just, right. you're, you're supposed to be a master. That's not supposed to happen. Right. And then his apology 
his non-apology was kind of like, dude, you poked somebody in the eye who wasn't even fighting back. You're kind right, of a yeah. dick, right? Yeah. And then he tried some stuff, and my student, on two occasions, just his natural reaction came up, and he, and he did something, and his hand was in front of the guy's face, and then he put it down right away immediately because I gave him the look like, hey, 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 take it easy. These guys left, and everything was cool, and then they went back to Germany and told everybody how they destroyed my top students. Like, and I was like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> like, what First of all, was not my top student at that time. He's one of my top students now. He wasn't at that time. I was just saying, I wouldn't fuck with Ethan. <laughs> he, the Ethan, Ethan is no joke, but this is like five, maybe five, six years ago or something. Right, like that, right, right. right. And, and so, and, and, and then, but the kind of thing, like if, if, if I was invited to, to do a lecture at your class, Sean, and you grab, and told me to grab one of your guys and show it, I would be like, okay, this is what we do. This is our position. Maybe it's a little bit different than yours. I would show this, show that, whatever. And then I wouldn't go. I totally showed Sean's guys what was up, you know, like I totally <laughs> obliterated that guy because it's like, what, what kind of pride do you take as a so-called instructor that you beat up someone else's cooperative, willing students? Right, okay. Yeah, so anyway, stupid. that was, that was a totally side tangent. No, nothing like this even happened with Maxifu. Maxifu was just like, okay, if someone fires a punch at you and then Maxifu would just show something, but it sure, was super sure. cooperative. Right. Well, Maxivu posted this video online and he says, oh, I was showing some Wing Chun students at City Wing Chun how Hungar fights. Mm -hmm. And because my students were obviously wearing Wing Chun shirts. Oh, my God. You, no, they didn't wear Wing Chun shirts. They were they? wearing, can you imagine oh, Wing Chun students shit. wearing Wing Chun shirts? In a Wing Chun shirts? school? Yeah, in a Wing Chun school. Oh, well, you know and what? And Maxivu is wearing his Hungar oh, uniform. Oh, come on. You can't have that. And he was showing Hungar techniques, which, of course... The Wing Chun people won't say it, but of course are completely inferior to Wing Chun, right? The Hungar oh, techniques are God. nowhere near, right? They won't say it, but he was showing this stuff and making Wing Chun lose face. And I'm going like, wait, first, first of all, this is already a few months ago, right? And I'm going, wait, somebody's now getting butthurt about this? And unfortunately, and I, I, I can't say who it is, but we're talking about very senior people in the Wing Chun family. We're not talking about people like you and me. <laughs> We're you could, talking. You could almost hear the panties running up their ass, right? Yes, like... these are people who are very high up the food chain, and I'm going. And they sent me a personal because I didn't even know Maxiva posted it. I didn't even like. I had not even seen it. It had been up for a day, right? And I wasn't on social media that day. And I go, and then Maxiva sends me like this cryptic message in the middle of the night. He goes. Uh, Alex, uh, I seem to have posted something that has caused you trouble. I'm going to take it down and delete it. And I was like, huh? Right. And then, and then, and then some other guy, I'm not going to say who it is, posted it to me and said, your students are wearing the Wing Chun t-shirt while a Hungar master is, is, is using Wing Chun, uh, using Hungar techniques on them. And this is making Wing Chun look very bad. And I go, um, he was a guest lecturer. He's showing my students how other styles of Kung Fu fight. So my students know what other people do and know that there are other styles right. out there that also approach the problem of fighting, not just Wing Chun. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yes, but they are wearing the Wing Chun t-shirt. So, and, and I was like, well, and the funny thing is, I don't want anybody to accuse me and go, Alex, you don't understand Chinese tradition. You have to understand that these are traditional sifus and they see it from this. Don't come to, don't get in my face with that shit. I have a Chinese wife. I speak Chinese. I grew up in the traditional Chinese system. I know the Chinese system. I know that that kind of thing is a huge no-no because you are, you have a, another master of another style and then there's, your student is wearing a Wing Chun t-shirt. He's wearing, so does that mean that the Hungar guy beats the Wing Chun? And I'm going, 
yeah, maybe 40 years ago, if video technology existed, everybody would, it'd be understandable why people got upset about that. It's 2017. The general martial arts scene doesn't give a shit about Kung Fu anymore. They give a crap about MMA. And here we are in the time of relative peace. Most Kung Fu styles are cool with each other because we're just trying to hold on to what we got, right? Right, exactly. Okay. And now I invite a famous master who happens to be my friend to give a lecture in my school and somehow Wing Chun is losing face. I do not mix Hongar techniques with Wing Chun. Anybody who comes to my school knows that. I'm 100% Wing Chun, baby. Everyone knows that, right? Yeah, baby. That sounds tough. But my guys, they know what a Hongar guy does. They know what a jujitsu guy does. They know what a boxer is going to do. They know what a kickboxer is going to do. Because I wasn't afraid right. to bring those people into my school. I wasn't afraid they were going to lure my students away. And, and so I understand why the Chinese get upset about this. But I am a white male who's 39 years old, living in 2017. Who identifies as? Who identifies as a rock star. <laughs> all right? And I just don't see that anymore. And for me, they don't need to explain to me where that comes I know where it comes from. But the thing is, I reject it. Right. At this point, we want information. We want to know. And that doesn't make us any less of Wing Chun people that a Hungar guy came and showed my guys how Hungar fights. If Wing Chun was supposedly designed to fight against all the other Kung Fu styles, don't you think they might want to know something about other Kung Fu styles? Right. If Wing Chun is so great at stopping people from punching them in the face, don't you think we should know how other people are going to try to punch us in the face? Right? So this kind of thing, I'm just like, ugh, this is why the old generation is killing us right now. Yeah. You know, we need to respect them and we need to learn from them, but we need to realize that come tomorrow, it's a new day, man. And, and yeah. we, need to, we need to grab this thing by the horns and change direction. ASAP, man, before we are, uh, in everyone's eyes, just a bunch of pajama-clad guys arguing with each other about the angle of the pinky finger and saying who learned what and in what order and in what generation and where do right. they stand in a photo, right? That's the stuff that just kills Kung Fu daily, man. So anyway, I just want to get that over this. I love Muk Chi Kong. He is the man. He can come he to my school so whenever awesome. he wants. He's such a nice guy. When I was in Hong Kong a few weeks ago, I was learning sword from him because I, I want to improve the ability to use my pacham do against other weapons. So I might want to learn about other weapons, right? And if anybody wants to look at that, ah, Alex is now learning broadsword. Does that mean he's mixing it in his Wing Chun? No, but I'm a Wing Chun guy who knows pacham do and how the broadsword works, and you're not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the difference, right? So anyway. I, I, I said it a hundred times. People, you want to learn Wing Chun, come to New York and train with Alex. I'm telling you, I, I, he's just got an awesome freaking school, guys. Guys, girls, it's the most welcoming, well, most welcoming, well-equipped, awesome atmosphere school I've ever been in. And, man, I'd love to insult Alex all day long. We, we all <laughs> know that, but his school is awesome. And I can give his school no greater compliment than I'm about to give right now. And maybe Alex is smart enough to know what I'm about to say. I literally, my my son had one time kind of expressed wanted to learn Wing Chun. And I told him to join Alex's school. Okay? That's how much I respect Alex and his school. You know? It's, it's not that I can't teach my son. But if you haven't tried to teach a kid anything, you know you want to <laughs> fucking kill him. So... 
like I, I suggested that he join Alex's school. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving Alex his, uh, his props just for today. Trust me, I'll make fun of him again. <laughs> hey, man, that means a lot. I know you, t- you told me that uh, before when I, I told you I saw John the other day. Really, really means a lot to me. I mean, uh, that you, you put truth. that kind of trust. And, and so, and, and yeah, uh, so thank you for that. I will send you your endorsement check next week. <laughs> right. So, and if you guys ever want to learn Jeet Kune Do, and you happen to be in Long Island of all places. Well, you know what? I don't live in Long Island, Jerk. Well, if I live in Staten Island, remember you got to take a fuck. Ah, that's right. Out. Oh, my God. Did I just say Long Island? My God. Oh, you know, you're just such a fucking Queens person. It's amazing. You think the whole world revolves around your little stupid It's very island. difficult for me to say the word Staten Island Staten without wanting island. to gag a little bit. It's like Staten Island, you know. It's the, the, Staten the, the, Island. The land of the orange people. <laughs> land of the orange people. All right, guys. Well, hey, today was a lot of fun. It's great to be back. And just want to remind you guys, if you have not done so already, to like our Facebook page, Dudes of Kung Fu. Follow us on Twitter, Dudes of Kung Fu. Follow Sean on Twitter, Big Sean Madigan. Follow me on Twitter, The Kung Fu Genius. Steve Alex Richter. I think my Twitter handle is actually at City Wing Chun, though, by the way. Uh, And, uh, (laughs) you know, we got more stuff coming out for you. We promise to be back on a regular schedule now that we're all in New York. And we have lots of great stuff coming for you for this season. So thank you so much for being around. As always, send us messages to the Dudes of Kung Fu page on Facebook. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Send us questions. Uh, Stop sending us nudes, please, um, because we just don't have time to answer them all. And that's (laughs) it. Thank you, Sean. That was a lot of fun. We'll see you next week. Be good, guys. Bye-bye.